0: To another episode of the doster and DaySean podcast here on the field of 68 media network. My name is Rob Doster Of course, I'm joined once again by my lovely, lovely co-host the one and only DaySean Butler, former all-American at West Virginia University. We have plenty to talk about with the Mountaineers. We'll get to that in a bit. That's what we call a tease in the podcasting industry, Deshaun, <laughs> How you doing, man? How was your weekend?
1: Weekend was good, man. Got some quality time in with the kids as usual. Uh, tons of video games, tons of basketball, tons of family board games that I have been required to play on the weekends. So, <laughs>
0: what, what's your uh, what's your go to board game? What do you when monopoly? You play? I'm a monopoly yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: They they lose every time and they can't figure <laughs> out how I win. They can't they can't get it. It's,
0: it's tough. We, we haven't reached the board game level quite yet. We, we, do, <laughs> we do a lot of puzzles, though. and My son uh, really? is in this. Yeah, he's in this mode where it's like he wants to do a puzzle and then he takes it all apart. And then he does the puzzle, the same puzzle over again. So we'll be sitting there for like an hour and a half doing the same puzzle over and over. Is it, and over is, it is
1: it those bigger puzzles that like the kid puzzles? or Are we talking about like mid-level to like adult, like close to adult? All of them, like so. He's got he's got really? the big
0: ones that are like that are like forty pieces, but yeah. he's also got like a two hundred piece dinosaur puzzle that he'll just sit there and he'll knock the whole thing out. He's five. He, he loves a puzzles. He's Congrats. really good at puzzles. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, I but... mean, look, I, I'll tell you this much: like he ain't a genius. He does a lot <laughs> of really dumb stuff. Nah, but trust me. He, He's he's good at puzzles. Um, All right. Before we get into this podcast, I do have to let you guys know about the official odds provider of the Field of 68 Media Network, DraftKings Sportsbook. The 2021 college basketball season is here, and teams around the country took off the offseason to retool and revamp and are ready to hit the court. In fact, Deshaun, they already have. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has rolled out another of their can't-miss offers. Trying DraftKings Sportsbook is easy. So what are you waiting for? Get in now on all of the action. To celebrate the return of hoops, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new players 100 to 1 odds on any featured matchup this week. That's right. All you have to do is bet one single dollar, Deshaun, on any of the featured matchups they have this week. And if your team wins, you cash $100. That's $1. To win a hundred bucks, that ain't bad. I like those odds. Yeah, they're not bad odds, right? So while we are all excited for the return of basketball, don't forget we're sitting here, we're watching the end of NFL red zone, we're watching the end of football on a Sunday, uh, and we have the playoffs coming up. There's still plenty of things beyond basketball to wager on. Um, So go now to to the DraftKings sportsbook app for all of your daily odds boosts and find ways to maximize the money that you want to bet. DraftKings is safe. It's secure. It's reliable. Trust me, I know. I've been using it for about two years now. <laughs> and it makes it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. I know this for a fact, Sean. because you want to know what I do? Here's my game plan. Talk to when me. I win a couple bets in a row, I take some of that money out, some of those winnings out, and I throw it in the bank because I know if I leave it in my DraftKings Sportsbook it's account, dumb. I'm going to make dumb bets. And the worst thing you could do as a gambler is make dumb bets. So yeah. get that money out, put it in your bank account, cash your winnings. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use the promo code FIELD68 when you sign up to get 100-to-1 odds on any of the featured matchups this week. That's FIELD68. That promo code for new players will get you a shot at $100 on any featured matchup this week for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania residents only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an in or if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right. Um, before we talk about some of the fun stuff that happened this weekend and some of the enjoyable basketball from this weekend, Deshaun, we do have to talk a little bit about Keontae Johnson, the situation that he's dealing with uh, for people that, weren't paying attention or the, that weren't around the TV over the weekend. Uh, he is an all American and a future pro from Florida, four minutes into the game against Florida state um, on Saturday. He passed out at mid court. He fell face down into the floor. Uh, he was taken off the floor on a stretcher. He's been in the hospital ever since uh, we're recording this on a Sunday night. Um, and the most recent update we got is that he is still critical but stable, which, uh, by my non-medical <laughs> understanding, is that uh, means he's not out of the woods yet. But they are confident that he is not going to be. We're, we're they're hopeful we're not going to see a turn for the worst. So that, at the very least, is good news. Uh, but I, I do know that his family is is. Heading down to see him, Mike White is uh, is staying in Tallahassee at the hospital with Keontae, yeah. um, and it's just, uh, I mean, it, it's it's an awful situation. The, our our colleague Jeff Goodman reported uh, earlier that Keontae had tested positive for the coronavirus in June when he yeah. returned to campus from uh, over the summer. Uh, but to be clear, there is no indication as of now that anything that happened with with testing positive for COVID and what happened with him. Uh, on Saturday it's just it's a horrible situation to be in man I don't know if you've ever dealt with something like that seen a a teammate or a player pass out but it's just I I can't imagine what those players are going through
1: yeah man it's not a a fun scenario one of my teammates um, that I had in Jerusalem uh, who played at Baylor Joaquil he uh, had a scenario where he would have like some episodes where he would uh, get worked up and he would pass out so it's very scary stuff to be around um, especially for for the play, for the player. I mean, all we can do from the show, especially I would say is wish uh wish him well, man. Wish him back to full health and prayers to him and his family. And hopefully, you know, we get to see him out there. If not on the court, just you know, being able to be around his team and be around his family and just be safe. You know, we want we don't we love the game, but we don't love to see um, you know, people get hurt from it or do any type of bodily harm to themselves from the game. Like it's a game at the end of the day. So.
0: Yeah. And you know, I, what really makes me feel for him is I, I don't, I don't know how he can continue a basketball career, regardless of what happens. If you know that you have something going on with your heart that causes you uh, to pass out like this. And you know, as of right now, he's been in critical condition for 36 hours.
1: Right. That's if all, you, yeah,
0: if you know that you have that condition, I don't know how a basketball team can justify having you play, right? So yeah. if, if nothing else, like assuming the best case scenario, hopefully the best case scenario for Keontz as he comes out of this. But I, I don't, I, I think we saw the end of that kid's career on on Saturday. And it's just, it's awful, dude. Like to have it go away that quick, like, you, yeah. you know, he is a guy, he would have been an NBA player. Right. He, yeah. he was an all American this year. He was the best player on Florida's team. Um, and he would have been an NBA player. And, and, and to see that. Uh, likely get taken away. It, it really, really sucks. Um, and, you know, I also think that it's important to note and it's important to say that we haven't seen like any video come out of him. We haven't seen like the Florida basketball Twitter account, post a video of Keon just saying, Hey guys, uh, it's me. I'm in the hospital. Like I'm, I'm working to get better. Um, he's still in critical condition, which tells me like, like he ain't out of the woods yet. Um, and it, you know, it's it's something that I think we need to monitor beyond the obvious and and the health and the well being of a 21 year old that just wants to play basketball, right? Yeah. Because if he, if a link is proven between what happened with Keontae Johnson on the floor on Saturday and the fact that he had the coronavirus previously, then like that could be it for the college basketball season. That could be it for the college football season. That could be it for um, sports as a whole. And uh, I, I just think that um, we, look, it's, there's too much. We can't speculate right now. And I, I don't want to yeah, say too much. Exactly. I don't want to go exactly. down that road. But it's, it's certainly something where we are going to have to monitor this because this was always what the concern was. If you remember back in like August when we were talking about, okay, I don't think we can play football this year. I don't think we're going to have a Big Ten football season. The Big Ten shut their season down. The Pac-12 shut it down. And and, and there was a the thought that that was going to be it for all college sports. Um, yeah. It was because of the concerns about, Heart, di- heart disease, uh, specifically myocarditis, which is like the enlarge, uh, the enlargement enlarged. of the walls yeah, of the heart exactly. um, for people that uh, had had dealt with COVID and the coronavirus. And there were all different studies that came out and all all, all of this kind of scientific, I, I don't want to say mumbo jumbo, but it was like we had that week where it was nothing just but like a, a wall of studies coming at you. And it's really difficult to parse what was real, what was a bad study, what was bad science, what was i don't want to say fake news but people picking and choosing exactly what they wanted to say exactly um, but it, it it was clear that that this was a risk and a potential long-term side effect uh i don't want to say side effect, a long-term impact of of contracting this virus and yeah. if it's something if that gets linked to what happened with kianse like this thing gets a whole hell of a lot scarier because there have been a lot of basketball players and a lot of football players that have tested positive for this virus. So
1: yeah, most uh, definitely. And that's the scary thing is just that you don't know the implications of what can happen in the future. So hopefully that's, hopefully what we're doing at the moment is safe and we want to make sure we continue to do a lot of the things we're doing. Uh, when I say we I'm talking about the universities and the teams and everybody that's working with the teams to, you know, follow the protocol Make sure all these players are social distancing when they're uh, when they're like you know back at their homes and so on and so forth. Just doing your part because the last thing we need is to lose a basketball player to something like this, and it doesn't it won't do anything but hurt everybody at the at the end of the day. It'll hurt the game, of course. It'll hurt the players and their families and their friends and their teammates and everybody that's around. So just do your part if you are listening, if you are a fan of our show. Make sure you guys go out there and do your part make sure the players do their parts when you see them and just, you know, just take care of each other. It's very simple stuff.
0: Yeah. And so I think that it's hard for me, like I've kind of put up this block, right. And I don't know if you've done the same thing, but there's very much a part of me that understands how risky it is. And to a point, almost how silly it is, that we are still playing these games when you have these these unpaid amateurs out there that are um, doing this more or less because we got to make sure that the NCAA continues to exist as somebody that hates the way that the NCAA is structured. Like, I understand that I'm being hypocritical when I sit here and I enjoy these games and I I spend all day getting excited watching college basketball on a Saturday or I get fired up for like the top 10 matchups that we had uh, last week. Um, But I also like... There's you got to have a cognitive dissonance. Right. And I, I've been very open about the fact that it's like, yes, I understand that there's all these dangers, but I'm going to choose to look past them because I know this is something that like a lot of these athletes need. And we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the kid who's uh, whose who's father had passed away. Yeah. Two days later, hit the game when he shot. Like that moment is probably something that was better for him. Like there's been a huge discussion, and I'm not going to go down the road of talking about the Coach K stuff. Like we don't need to need to get into that. Like that's too much right now. But it's also (laughs) like not everything that Coach K said was wrong. And you know, part of it is like the the mental health aspect on these kids gets the you know being isolated and staying in hotels and not being able to have any kind of experience and like I've talked to coaches where the players are not allowed to uh to to socialize outside of practice so like you don't have team dinners you don't have team bonding sessions like you're not sitting there hanging out with like nine of your teammates playing video games until two or the morning like you don't get that student athlete experience so I understand like all sides of this and it's such a complicated argument but for me I was saying to myself like look I'm going to kind of ignore that because i know that it's what these kids want to do right but like after seeing what happened with Keontae, like I, i've kind of gotten to a point where i'm like well are we do we have to protect them from themselves you know like yeah. do we have to say like if you if you've tested positive for covid and there's a potent there's a possibility that you have like you're dealing with myocarditis and something like what happened to chianti could happen to you like do we need to shut it all down i don't know i'm the wrong person to ask i don't i don't have the answers. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have all like the medical knowledge that you need to be able to make decisions like that. But I think we need to have that conversation nationally. And I think, especially if what happened with Keontae is determined to be linked to the fact that he had coronavirus previously. So I don't know. It's just such a downer. And, and, (coughs) and, you know, I I couldn't, I I could not believe that they played that game. And I like, yeah, all that is, I was I if anything I feel like you know you
1: see people get hurt and you keep the game going I don't know I just felt like there was a big damper on that and I I tuned in late and you can just see the player like I mean I don't know about Florida State but I you can
0: tell Florida was like hit <laughs> you can Well Florida Florida State was too because they had a player remember Michael Loho he, he uh, played at Florida State from 2013 to All 2017, right. and he, uh, he died in August. He had the same thing that happened to Keontae. Uh, well, I don't know if it was the same thing, but he passed out while he was in a workout when he was playing in Serbia. I think he was with uh, – was it Partizan Belgrade? No, Red Star. He was with Red Star. Red Star, Red Star. He right. was, was playing with Red Star. And, um, and he collapsed during a workout in August, and he passed away. And he was 27 years old. And that was a guy that played for Florida state for Leonard Hamilton for five years. So yeah. now Leonard Hamilton sees this happen on the floor, you know, and to give, to give everyone involved credit, like they left the decision ham left the decision up to Mike white, Mike white left the decision up to his players. Like you can actually see on the broadcast. If you go back and watch it, you can see the referee talk to Leonard, that referee go and talk to Mike white. And then Mike white go and talk to his players and the players decided that they wanted to play. So like, okay, I, I get it. You want to play, but, uh, it's still, I don't know how you do that. I just don't, I don't understand how, how you can see a teammate go down and get stretched off the court and continue playing. You know, it just, I don't know. Everything about the the, the situation is just so depressing. and such a downer. And, and I don't know. You got anything else to add? Or should we move on to, to talk about hoops? Yeah, let's move on and talk about hoops. Once
1: again, we are. our prayers are with with the family and
0: just with everybody involved,
1: man, this, this is nothing we want to see happen. So.
0: All right. So with that in mind, uh, it is time for the Monday overreactions podcast and my first overreaction for you. And and the way that we're going to structure this guys is I'm going to come up with an overreaction and Deshaun is going to react to my overreaction. Okay. So here's my first one. And, and look, show, show everybody the T-shirt you got all right now. What? Is this These are just clothes. Yeah, is it, is it a West Virginia <coughs> oh. t-shirt? Yeah, you got your oh, West Virginia shirt Jesus. on. Yes. He's got his my West bad. Virginia gear, Apologies. Apologies. gear
1: on. Apologies. He played at West Virginia. <clears throat>
0: it's a great he place. A, he went to a Final Four with West Virginia. He played for Bob Huggins. So, this is my overreaction after seeing what West Virginia did to Richmond. If the Mountaineers shoot anywhere near the way that they did in the first half against Richmond, they are going to win the national title. Ah, uh, How do you feel about that one?
1: I am all for my Mountaineers winning a national title. Um, <laughs> what did we shoot today? We shot 40. We're shooting higher than 40% at one point um, in the first half. If we can shoot to the 50s <laughs> like we like we were shooting, obviously I, I don't think there is any team in the country that can match up with us. We, we do so much. So
0: to give you it's specifics, not, you shot yeah. 66% in the first half. You were six and nine from three in the first half and you made, you made your last 10 shots of the half. It was ridiculous. It was I mean, un- you sco- 29 points in the last seven minutes of the first half. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And it was one of the best ten, shooting ten, you'll ever see from West Virginia. McBride.
1: McBride once again, your point. And I'll, I'll give you some credit for granted what I've been telling you. So that's how nice I am. West <laughs> <laughs> that's how nice of a guy I am, but, uh, McBride, to your point, when McBride plays the way he did today, especially in that first half where he just ripped off, like, I want to say 10, 12, like, there's nothing that many people can do. Like, if he's going to shoot the ball he do, the way he does today, if Tash Sherman's going to come off the bench and shoot the ball yes. the way he did today, if who, uh, McNeil so, is going to shoot yeah, the ball so the way he shot today, like, what can you do? McCabe came off the before, before, uh, before Deuce came and, came back into the game and went crazy mccabe came off the bench and knocked down two threes so when we start getting the majority of our guys to come in and the wings i'm talking about the guards and they can come out there and knock jump shots down i mean it's just similar to how this is a stretch i'm not saying these guys are similar these teams are not similar in any case style of play or anything but the same way how iowa shoots the ball and it opens the paint up for our guy Luka Garza mm-hmm. to go out there and do what he needs to do. If these guys shoot the ball 50%, they shot 65 in, in the first half, they can shoot the ball 50% and shoot, like, high high 40s or even 40s at all if from three. It opens the paint up for Derek Culver and Oscar Shibway to go out there and just control the boards because like, they can't be stopped in the glass one-on-one. And this is like Richmond. I watched Richmond play uh, against you and I, who was without AJ Green. So you would think, oh, Richmond, you got this. This should be an easy game. They struggled with that one. Uh, Nathan Kale struggled in that game. Um, I was excited to see Burton play against the Mountaineers because Burton had a really good game last game against you and I. Played really big, bigger than what he was. And I mean, he played well, but it's it just lets you know the difference. And he even had a ten boards. He had a double double, but it, it was just like. Colver barely played in the game, and he had a double double. And you know Burton played all. It just it was a little different of levels. Like, and not to mention West Virginia started making shots. It, it was just it was
0: tough. It was tough to watch. A couple of things about Tyler Burton. One, like he had a couple of like seriously audacious dunk attempts, and it, <laughs> and, and it reminded me a little bit of. Uh, do, do you remember the Kansas game in 2018 when they played at your place? And,
1: and my guy, my guy is waiting on him. Yeah,
0: yeah um, Sagaba Kanate. Yeah, big sags. And like, Kids just tried to dunk on him like five or six times, and he just every single time he swatted him, man. Every yeah, single man. time he caught him right at the top. It was uh, uh it was it was unbelievable. Um, and and you know, it, it reminded me of like Tyler Burton trying to dunk on West Virginia today. Reminded me of that because he was audacious. He would. You got to give him credit. Like you, you got to have some stones to go in there and try to dunk on someone like that. Uh, but it did; it didn't work out too well for him. Nah. Um, another note that I think is important to to point out here: uh, West Virginia actually um, lost the battle of the glass. Like, yes, part of part of it is because you can't get offensive rebounds if you make you every make fucking shots. shot, exactly. Uh, but like that, Richmond beat them up on the glass, man, and um, it's offensive not, boards too offensive boards yeah. too. But but in all seriousness, I really wanted to touch on something that you said because you made the comparison to Iowa and how like the shooting creates the space. Yeah. To me, it's like, it's the threat of the shooting. It's not just the fact that you make the shots, yes. but the threat that you can make those shots. Right. It's, it's, we, we talked about the gravity that Luka Garza has and how it didn't necessarily matter against North Carolina, that he was kind of ineffective. It was the fact that he, existed on the floor and people had to be cognizant of where he was well okay. if 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 deuce mcbride is going to be making jumpers the way he was making jumpers and if taz sherman and shaw mcneil are going to be making jumpers the way they were making jumpers like defenses have to be cognizant of that and if you're cognizant of that that creates all kinds of space for big she and Derek culver and also and all these other big dudes that they got Um, so like, Mm. it's just, it's the threat of the shot and, and last, last thing, and then I'll let you finish up on your, your mouth. I want to give a shout out to Jordan McCabe because I will never not laugh whenever he gets on the floor because you got West Virginia and their entire program identity is we're going to be bigger than you. We're going to be tougher than you. We're going to be more physical than you. We're going to be scarier than you. We're going to punch you in the face every single time you try to score on us. We're going to get out and overplay in passing lanes. You are not going to be able to run your offense against us. And oh yeah, by the way, we got this kid that looks like a YouTuber coming out here.
1: with us. And, he, and guess what? And he, and he somehow finds a way to like leave his stamp on the game somewhere. Like, Jordan, yeah, is like awesome. Jordan is a, he's a unique player in our team, right? And it's funny, like just seeing him from a younger age and watching him play. And I was, I was excited to meet him. Cause I was like, oh, I've seen this kid before and he goes to our school and I watch him play. And obviously he doesn't look like he fits the mold of our team <laughs> at all. Like by, by watching him, it's like, all right, he stands out. And
0: but, hey man, he looks like he should be doing workout videos on Instagram with T.J.ass. But what I
1: will—shut <laughs> up, shut up. Anyway, but I, what I will say about Jordan McCabe—he <laughs> is by far the hardest worker on the team. The guy is in the gym before and after, working on his shot, working on his ball handling, work, reading and watching film, and making sure he knows where he needs to be. In due time. Every every uh every flower blooms at a certain time. I'm I'm pulling for Jordan McCabe this season. I think and, sure. and
0: he made a couple of big shots today. Like he started yeah. that run. He, he started, started that run. run.
1: Knocked down two threes. He ended up coming out for a quick second, and then it ended up being a longer second because Deuce McBride went out there and oh yeah was just you know that unique player that you see. You know so shout yep. out to uh, the well, the West Virginia minders Those guys are beautiful. That's a great play. I told you I got an extra shirt for
0: you. over <laughs> here I'll send it to you. Don't worry about it. That's actually a perfect segue. Segway that that West Virginia shirt. So, yeah, man. Let me tell you a little bit about Home Field Apparel. Please, don't. Home please, Field please apparel do. Home Field Apparel is an officially licensed and independently owned collegiate apparel company. They sell college t-shirts, college basketball team t-shirts. I got one on right here for my Yukon Huskies. Um, and What they do is they go through and they mine all of the old logos and all of the throwback gear and all of the stuff that you saw in like the sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties, all of those, like your favorite shorts or your favorite team from back in the day. Um, They have all of that stuff. They have all of that gear and they repurpose it. They take these, these designs, they take these logos and they turn them into these awesome t-shirts and, and uh, the gear itself, like look, the logos, everything, the stuff that you get on the t-shirt, the designs, they're, they're just great. Uh, but the important thing about a t-shirt goes beyond just what you see on the shirt itself. It's the neck. Does the neck get too loose? And look at this. Look at that neck. Look at that neck. It's perfect. It's nice and tight right there. Right. Um, the sleeves are the sleeves like kind of nice and tight enough, just right there on your t-shirt. Right. Support. When, you throw, when you throw them in a the washing machine and you throw them in a the dryer, like, Does the middle, like the waistband part get all stretched out? It's perfect. Like it's exactly what you want out of the t-shirt. They're comfortable. They're light. They're breathable. And oh, by the way, this is my lucky t-shirt. I've won like six bets in a row while wearing this t-shirt. So not only do you get great gear at an affordable price, but you might win a couple bets if you buy this stuff. So uh, go to (laughs) homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code field of 68 and you get 20% off your first purses. Um, And look. They don't have West Virginia gear up yet. I know. I messaged them.
1: I messaged them, and he said, "I know you? we're working
0: on it." I was like, "All right, <laughs> hurry up, hurry up." So it's important if you if you if you are like Deshaun and you want to be able to get West Virginia gear from Home Field Apparel, and trust me, you do. Then what you need to do is you need to go. And tweet at them. It's home field apparel. There's no e in apparel. It's home field A P P A R L. Hopefully I spelled that right. Home field apparel. No e in apparel. And if you tweet at them and say, "Hey, make us West Virginia gear," I promise you, they'll at least recognize that you sent them tweets. I'm not going to guarantee that they'll make yeah. the gear yeah. for you, <laughs> but the best the best way to convince them that they need to make West Virginia gear is to have as many people as possible. Tell them that they would buy that West Virginia gear because it's a business. If they know that there's a demand for it, then they're going to create it so they can sell it and make money off of it. Brilliant ideas. Look at that. Right? So yeah. Homefieldapparel.com field of 68, 20% off your first purchase. Deshawn, are you ready for my second over reaction?
1: Talk to me. It, it it can't be as bad as the first one because I, I I can't believe you were su- surprised that we could shoot like this and possibly win a national championship. So I'm I'm shocked you even got there so late.
0: All right, so here's my take. Cade Cunningham is the best non Zion prospect that we've seen in college basketball since Anthony Davis. All right, so good. You put it. You put a
1: a nice little bottom AD starting from there. Mm-hmm. Zion top. You know what? I can't argue with that. I feel like that was that's, – that's that's pretty solid. Um, I got a chance to watch that game. It was a ugly one and for Cade I'm talking about. Um, he didn't
0: play well against the Wichita State. Like, that's the thing. He did not nah, play well.
1: He did not play well. But you want to know something that's interesting to me about him is that, you know, as a player, I guess, like, if I, if I was a coach at least or if I was a scout or somebody watching Cade to make a decision on whether or not you know, he could play the next level or not. Um, you want to check off boxes on a player. It's like, all right, cool. Can he, is he, is he strong attacking the basket? Can he shoot? Can he control the offense? Can he run a team? Can, like, you know, how is he off the court? So like, you want to check off all these boxes on Cade. You can definitely check off not being afraid to take on the challenge and, and, and take on a big uh, a big moment. Like he kept the ball <laughs> to make sure he got the last shot for his team and step back contested very good very well defended and knocked down the shot um you check that off uh, him, sh- him showing you that he's he's a big playmaker and he can finish a game he can close a game that was uh it was impressive being that uh, you know he had good games against Oral Roberts and and he beat a Marquette team who upset a Wisconsin team like he's he him and his teammates, excuse me not just him so Oklahoma State has so you know He has a lot of boxes to check out. Being that Oklahoma State won't be playing uh, any uh, post post uh, season stuff, really. But
0: well, actually, technically, they're not. So I I had a conversation with Mike Boynton about this because it's a whole thing. Like Joel already was going crazy on Twitter the other day, uh, and basically, like, was tweeting about how like he can't have Oklahoma State in the bracket because they're not eligible, but whatever. So here's the deal. Since they're still going through the appeal process, yes, Oklahoma State as of today is still eligible for the tournament. And if this appeal process goes past a certain point, they are going to be able to play in the tournament. Now no one expects it to no one really knows how long it's going to go, but yeah. the, the schedule that, that the NCAA is supposed to follow um, says that the appeal should be up before the start of the NCAA tournament. but as of today, Oklahoma State is eligible for the tournament like if if the tournament started today, they would be able to play in it um, and they would be ineligible for the next NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. uh, but they could also still win the appeal. I don't think that it's all that likely because the basis of their appeal is like, come on, y'all, you, uh, you punish us too hard. Um, but <laughs> but oh, yeah. with what happened with Alabama, like there's, they do have some hope because Alabama basically did the same thing, uh, but it was an, uh, an associate AD that did what mm-hmm. the assistant coach at Alabama it was an associate AD that was helping facilitate payments for players while, um, at Oklahoma State was an assistant coach Alabama didn't get a one-year postseason ban Oklahoma State did we'll see if that ends up being able to work um but yeah to your point as of today they are eligible for the tournament so look I know you're a big 12 guy but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed we need Kate Cunningham in this NCAA yeah we need we need them
1: in NCAA tournament and we need him there at 18 points a game five boards like a little next to four assists a game he's shooting 47 from three like he does a little bit everything and and he's good at it too and he doesn't Mm -hmm. play outside of his game he doesn't like let people speed him up he doesn't let people bully him because it's very hard to do that at 220 like the, the guy is a very 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 good talent so that's not a. That's not too You're not too far off on that one. That wasn't an overreaction. That was a. It's pretty solid. There's been some good players, and this is not to say that there haven't been any good players in college since Anthony Davis and in between Zion. But these people are saying that he's supposed to be the number one pick for next year, and I can't see them being wrong. I mean, he's he's proven it, and he's keeping a team like Oklahoma State in in like in the loop.
0: Yep. So there's, there's two things I want to point out about him. Um, like the numbers kind of speak for themselves, and we all saw the game-winning jumper. But two possessions before that, there was a play that I thought really stood out as much as anything. Um, he – so someone on Wichita State drives, right? And he's got the weak side corner. So yes. he's able to come over, and the threat of him blocking a shot at the rim, which he had done earlier in the game, uh, forced al Gilbert to kick the ball out to the corner. So he is able to close out run that shooter off of the three point point line. line, Yeah. But he's, he slides, right? He gets low and he slides. He cuts the the guy tries to drive. Right. He cuts him off. The guy crosses over. He cuts him off again. The guy goes up and tries to shoot over him. He walls up, doesn't foul, forces a miss, grabs the defensive rebound, goes the other way, calls for a a drag screen in transition, right? Comes off the screen, snakes, it beats the the help. The big man's defender goes into the lane, draws the help kicks it off to the the guy at the dunk spot for an and one dunk while avoiding the charge. And I'm just like, Holy shit. Like that. He just did everything right there that you need a player of his size to be able to do in the NBA. He helped at the rim. He ran a guy off the three point line. He stayed in front of him. He slid his feet. He walled up. He didn't foul, got a defensive rebound, went the other way, came off of a ball screen, created beat, beat the help defender and laid it off to somebody for a layup. Right? That's what like you that's,
1: want. That's what you want your guards to do. Period. That's yeah. not what you expect from your six foot eight. <laughs> like yeah. God, you don't expect it, but the fact that he can sit there and do that is. I just, it's it's what you get from a number one pick, and I'm, that is a good point you made. So like, yeah, and the yeah, the other thing is
0: that the the skill that he has that he does the best. Like the, the reason why I'm so high on him as a player is because of the ability that he has as a passer to manipulate defenses and move people around with his eyes and do things off of ball screens and and you know this that and the third well he hasn't really been able to show it because yeah. Oklahoma State as a team is shooting 32 percent from three yeah and um, when you don't have those shooters those guys that can make those shots then you can kind of help off and he kind of runs into a crowd of paint and it's like okay well, I can't really move the defense around because if I throw this pass here, like he's open because that guy can't shoot. So uh, we haven't seen what his passing, like the full range of his passing quite yet. So yeah, Yeah,
1: I was, I was worried about that too. Um, I thought that uh, likely would be a little bit more help. I thought uh, flavors would uh, shoot the ball a little bit better. The transfer. He, he hasn't really had as much consistency from the group, but I mean, like I said, it's early assuming it's not easy to just transfer in and and just pick up right, like right where you left off from your previous school. And these guys had good records at their previous school. Like they did pretty well. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, and do Tom, and I'm sure those, those assist numbers will fly up. And I'm sure his rebounds that he's, he's only become getting more and more aggressive on the glass too. So I'm I'm just excited to see what he looks like towards the end of the season.
0: Yeah. He's, he's just a super talented kid. And I really do think that uh, he's special. I'll tell you this much. I think that I would take him number one in this year's draft, Uh, like without question. It wouldn't really be a conversation for me. But after seeing Evan Mobley play and knowing how good guys like Jalen Green are, like I do think that there is a real world and like an actual world where he doesn't go number one in this year's draft, which should tell you how good the top of this year's draft is, is that there's a, even a conversation about like whether or not you should take Kate Cunningham with yeah. the number one overall pick. All right. This isn't really an overreaction. I just, I kind of want to know like your take on this um, Missouri beat Illinois at home in the Bragg and Rice game. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, are you more impressed with what Missouri was able to do? Or are you more worried about um, this Illinois team, top 10 team losing on the road by three points in a rivalry game?
1: Uh, I would just celebrate Missouri more. Um, I've I hope Illinois uh, realized like what happened. I mean, to me, it just kind of seemed like Miz just came out there and was aggressive and punched him in the mouth early and Mm -hmm. Illinois reacted and it led to foul trouble. And because of those fouls, um the guy like they just they never got into the game the way they they wanted to I mean it kept them from running it kept them from getting out and doing the things they didn't needed to do and not to mention like besides uh DeSumo and, and Coburn no one else really came into play I mean Corbello as well but Miller, Williams, Frazier they didn't like they didn't they weren't their normal selves so you know I wasn't surprised that Illinois lost the game I was I'd hope they would you know continue to do what they've been doing but i was surprised they lost when i saw how aggressive missouri was when they came out to like they came out to play they uh xavier penson played well drew smith played really well so like and they had drew smith on down sumo to annoy him and it, it, it kind of it, it worked mm-hmm. from time to time it didn't really i mean how how much could it work when my, my guy has 36 but like it worked enough to the point where he had to like feel like he had to take over the game because the help wasn't there from Miller. The help wasn't there from Frazier like it was in pr- previous games. So,
0: Yeah, I, I was – I think you're exactly right. Like it's the fact that they didn't really get the help from the supporting cat. Like if you get 36 from Io, you should never be losing. Never losing. Effort. Exactly. should never. never be losing. Um So that was definitely a concern for me. I was also worried about how – easy it was for Missouri's guards to be able to kind of play off the bounce and and get in the lane um I I, look we it's not a secret right like Illinois struggles in ball screens Kofi Coburn is not very fast exactly Uh, Georgie Vili. I hope I got that name right um that
1: was was way better than what I was gonna say
0: yeah I'll tell you you what Vili is a lot harder to say than Butler (laughs) (laughs) night and day night and day um (laughs) Yeah, but like the the way that those guards were able to get penetration and get in the paint was definitely a concern for me. Like, if Illinois is going to be as good as we want them to be, they have to be better defense. Like, there's just there's no excuse to give up 81 points in a game where you know they forced 18 turnovers and they held Missouri to five of 21 shooting and they gave up 81 points. Like that, that really that's not something that should be happening um, in that situation. So that's That's definitely a red flag for me
1: besides the shooting like i they went 3 for 13 i guess from the three but they shot like they missed a ton of free throws mm-hmm. and and a good bit of them which i i mean the sum was he's getting to the line and he got to the line i will say well like 12 or 13 times but like we the rest of the guys can't go 50% from the line like then that's those that 50% is the, they lost by like three so like they missed 11 free throws i think yeah 11 free throws so like their half court defense—that's something they need to work on. I remember I was talking about that when they when they had to go play Baylor. It's like you know, if Baylor doesn't get back in transition defense, it'll be Illinois. If Illinois doesn't stop Baylor in a half court, then Baylor will win that game. So, and and you know, that was part of their big comeback. Is Baylor kind of I won't say abused them, but they took advantage of them pretty well within the half court. And we saw something similar to that, not as Baylor esque, but they definitely abused in that in the ball screen and in the half court
0: yeah i went back and i watched rewatched the baylor game um yeah. for something i did last week and uh, what scott drew did was he basically ran ball screens on every everybody yeah single possession like every single one so if scott drew has decided that the way to beat illinois is to run ball screens like yeah okay you know what that's probably the way to beat them because scott drew has proven to be a pretty sharp basketball coach yeah most uh, definitely over the years, so I, I mean, look, I'm I'm still in on Illinois as a potential um, Big Ten title contender, and like, look, we uh we definitely have a question about that. We asked people on Twitter for questions, and we have one that we are uh, that we're going to answer. That's a similar question um, to that one, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a concern for them. Uh, but shout out to Missouri, man. Like, I know we're talking about Illinois here, but we got to give them their credit. We got to give them their yeah. flowers. They went yeah. out and they beat a top ten team in a rivalry game. Like, it don't get better than that. Yeah, and they, and they, and the coach did a good job, man.
1: I mean, shit, he he stuck to the scout report, and, and it showed, bro. Like his team literally attacked those guards. It made it very difficult for a, for a Coburn and a Georgie to even stay on the floor at times. So,
0: actually, that that actually brings up a a good point. Um, Missouri's old as hell. I think they got four starters and a redshirt junior in their yeah. starting lineup. Like they yeah. are as old as any team in the country. And I think part of their early success is because they have so much continuity, right? Like we're seeing younger teams like Kentucky, who we can kind of transition this conversation into, really struggling, like Duke as well, really struggling because they have all of these new pieces and they don't get to have the kind of normal preseason, normal early season games to figure out. What they're going to run, how they're going to run it, what their rotations are, how yeah. the hell you're going to survive playing Division One, high major college basketball, and Missouri's got all those guys. Like they're basically running the same shit that they ran last year. Like none of this stuff changed. So yeah. I, I think that there is something to that, and and Missouri is certainly an example. And shout out to Conzo Martin. Like I every time I've dealt with him, every time I've had a conversation with him, um, like Conzo's always just been a great dude. He's got he's got the deepest voice of anyone that I think I've ever talked to. Um, like he's, he's an intimidating presence, but, uh, you know, I I want after the way that things ended for him at Tennessee, uh, I do want to see good things, um, good things happen for Conzo. Like he's a good guy. I don't know if he's the greatest college basketball coach, but he (laughs) got to win, got to win the rivalry game, especially against a really good team. Yeah. So so he's, he's the greatest for the day. Shout out to Conzo Martin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I mean, we might as well transition straight into Kentucky. Uh, they, they, they were down by 20 – I think it was 24 in the first half to Notre Dame. They ended up losing by one on a missed jumper by Olivier Saar. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got here, man? It's it, It's a mess <clears throat> for, uh, for Coach Cal right now.
1: Um, the only three things I could think of when I was, like, watching Kentucky play, and I, it made me think of their previous games, were their shot selection, um, their turnovers – and their defense like okay they play more state they get 18 uh, assists and 15 turnovers so that's like probably the most assists they've had all year and then after that they get five assists and 21 turnovers against richmond then they get eight assists and 16 turnovers against uh, kansas and then 16 and 21 against georgia tech and then they have their game against notre dame where they did okay but they still had a ton of turnovers but they don't force teams to turn the ball over either. Like, everyone besides Morehead State and in, in, uh, in Notre Dame, but Notre Dame won the game, but the only game that they won with Morehead State, everyone has been around 11 turnovers and down. So, for them to just turn the ball over as much as they do, like, they're not going to win games. For them to shoot the way they've been shooting from three, from the perimeter, will not win them games. They had a game against Richmond where they shot 0 for 10 no, all right, cool, you can have a bad shooting game. They had two decent ones against a team they were supposed to beat, and they had one against Georgia Tech, but that's only because Clark and Boston shot the ball well, better than they shot the rest of the other games because they shot like 14% from three and like 20% from three. So so shot selection, defense, and making other teams turn the ball over, kind of like they did in the second half of this past game. The yeah, second half, they came out there and ran. They used that, their athleticism. They got the ball to Sar from time to time so they could get some baskets, of course. But for the most part, they ran and then made them turn the ball over. And because they had 16 turnovers, a lot of them late in the game, they were able to go in this run. Like, that should be what Cal should look at, those turnovers, making people turn the ball over. Because they're going to turn it over because they're young but at least having those same young guys that you have not coast on defense and make them, you know, be aggressive on the defensive end. So you can get some turnovers and try to nullify what you got going there because it's not going to happen. So I I
0: honestly still don't think that they are that far away from, I I don't think they're ever going to be top 10 good, but I don't think they're that far away from being like a top 20 to top 25 basketball team. And that's because, I really do think so much of their issue right now is like effort and leadership and consistency. Like it does not look at all. Like they're connected out there on the floor, especially in that first half In the second half they were flying around. They were forcing turnovers. They were kind of saying like, look, we are so much more athletic than you and so much longer than you. You are not going to run anything against us offensively. And they kind of had that, like, I mean, excuse me for cursing, but they kind of had like that. Fuck you. You ain't scoring mindset. Exactly. And they did not have that in the first, like, they looked like they were scared in the first half. They were like, oh, man. No here, we again. here we go it's again. Here we go in. again. Exactly. Well, you can see I it. Can't, I can't believe this is happening. Woe is me. We came to Kentucky to win. My life sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that. they just, their heads hung. Where in the second half, they were kind of like, all right, fuck you. We're going to go get this. And we need more of that FU mindset out of Kentucky. And I think they can get there. Like, so, to me, again, so much of the like what's going on there is just – you don't have that kind of connectedness and, and the continuity and like the guys that understand where each other are going to be or who's going to pick you up or um, okay, he drives this way. So I got to be there when he drives. Cause I know that's where he's going to be able to pass or uh, you know, I, I can risk for the steal because I know that I'm going to have this help behind me because this guy has been drilled on the, whatever, like, it's just not quite there, but I don't think it's that far away because we saw what happened in the second half when they came when they almost came all the way back. And look, if Olivier Sar makes that shot at the end of the game, do you know what we're having for a conversation here? We're probably saying like, look, Kentucky won this game. They played horribly for a half, but they outscored an ACC team by 23 points 23 in the second points. half and one. Yeah. So like, I don't feel like the conversation that we should be having is that drastically different because one guy that shot 11 for 16 happened to miss a 15 footer that he hit five times five earlier times. in that game. Yeah. So yes, the point guard spot is it, it's a disaster right now. I don't yeah. think that Terrence Clark is the perfect answer. I do think he's a better fit than Devin Askew right now. Like that's not, yeah. it's not yeah. a shot at Askew. you. He, he's a 17 year old being asked to be a starting point guard in the SEC. Like that shit is hard. Yeah. It's not easy. It's hard. Um, every team he's played, it's good. Like, every team he's played so far, it's been guys that are five years older than him, six yeah. years older than him. You know, that's hard to do. But that's, but that's going to be the issue,
1: though. Like, just like you said, that not having that continuity, like having an upperclassman at those positions hurts any team. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's it, just the way it works. So these guys, if they're not going to be there mentally, when I say mentally, not be there mentally, I mean, if they're not going to be, they're not going to have a mature mindset as far as the basketball game and know these things and know how to play in certain scenarios, then they have to be there with their energy and their effort. So those same turnovers that they had in the first half against uh, Notre Dame and the way they played, like you got to expect that they're going to play have some of that in the second half, but that energy and that effort have to be there. Like you can't be the young team. That's too cool to work hard. You want to shoot cool shots and shoot tough shots and then not defend anybody. Like if you're Mm going to be, this team that we expect them to be, which is a top 25 team. They have to go out there and bring the effort at least defensively so they can force some turnovers and do the things they're supposed to do so they can, you know, win these games. Cause they're not far off of most of these games. They just, you just shoot so many bad shots. Sometimes it get, you get, it catches you, you know, it, gets, it catches you in the foot. Yep. <laughs> All right.
0: We. I do have a guess. Hold on one second. No worries. Oh, love. We do have a guest here on the podcast. Maddie, say hi. Hi, hi. hi. All right. So since we do have a guest, we're going to bring in the uh, the questions portion of the programming here. So we're going to start. Oh, you're okay. We're going to start with uh, with this question from Boxcar Baz. Uh, Did you see Kentucky starting this slowly? Uh, and I'll start you off with the, the, the question. Say bye-bye. <laughs> That Was fun. We had a special guest on the podcast today. Um, <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Um, also, <laughs> we're, we're leaving all that in. They shall we're leaving. Oh, Why it's not? The, Why not? It's a dad it, show, it, it's a dad cast, and we talk ball, but it's the dad cast first and foremost. So, and did foremost. you see Kentucky starting this slowly? Personally, and, and I'll let you answer after this. Um, oh. I saw them starting slowly, I did not think that it was going to be to this degree because I thought that, um, I thought we were going to see more of what we saw in the second ha- half against Notre Dame. Uh, but I, yes, I fully expected them to, to start slowly this year. I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect them to start as slow. Uh, just not
1: factoring the fact that they didn't. I didn't factor in that they would uh, not be playing as many games as they normally would. I didn't. That wasn't even in my thought process initially. Um, then when you watch the first couple games, you're like, yeah, you can see how much you know, a scrimmage game is missed. Like you can, you can see these mistakes that did that. I had freshman yeah. mistakes. You can see them all just happening you, in the court. You had freshman mistakes. Come it's on so on. rare. It's rare. It's Come rare. On. <laughs> I was, I played for Belon. I was a very smart guy. So I kind of just, yeah. I did my job. I sat in the there corner.
0: You. It was very it was beautiful. By the way, I don't know if you saw it, but we, uh, on the network, we have the the Go Blue with Stu podcast. Uh, uh, Stu Douglas, former Michigan player. Yeah. He had John Beeline the other day, and he told a story that uh, uh it's Stu's, apparently, Stu's claim to fame that when Beeline first called Anthony Davis, like before AD blew up and became like the number one prospect in the country, he was just some like yeah. up and coming kid in, uh, in, in chicago so Line got on the phone with him and he was like hey have you ever watched michigan basketball before and, and anthony anthony davis was like oh yeah coach i love watching michigan play uh i love Stu douglas me and my friends have a savior <laughs> said, you know what you gotta do give the ball to Stu. so Stu douglas. <laughs> so anthony davis knows who Stu douglas is which is pretty awesome if you think about it that's awesome um, for Stu. So shout out that i uh Shout out to to Stu Douglas. Uh, All right, so the next question came from Eric Diener Thoughts on the Big Ten is Iowa the clear favorite for you right now? Uh, And for me, I would not call them the clear favorite. Uh, I do think at this point that they probably are the favorite, um, just because like they are they are so much better offensively than what I thought they would be. And it's almost to a point where, like, I'm not necessarily worried about what they'll be on the defensive end of the floor, although that's still a concern. Uh, but I still think that Illinois can win it. I still think that Michigan State can win it. Um, yeah. I, not, so much about, not so much on Wisconsin. Uh, but I do think that once we see Iowa going up against teams that are a little bit better uh, when it comes to, like, playing off the dribble um, and that match up with them a little bit better, like, oh, I don't know, Illinois – uh, yeah. That it beca- could become something of a problem, but uh, I mean, I-, I think you have to call them the favorite at this point, right? Uh,
1: yeah, actually, I got them tied right now with the favorite uh, between them and Michigan State, who I ragged on so bad early on. Um, Michigan State has been good, so I I don't really I'm not worried about Illinois. Illinois has been great. Um, they they had a uh, they dropped the ball a couple times, and I wouldn't even say one of those times is a drop ball. They played against the one of the best teams in college basketball in Baylor. So that's not a drop ball. They actually was, they held their own against Baylor. Um, I kind of, if it's not Michigan state, it's going to be Illinois to win a big 10 to me. I, I like you brought up a second ago. I just don't foresee Iowa just stopping that run. Like Iowa isn't the greatest defensive team in the half court. So the running gun thing, if, if they're not knocking down threes, and those long threes are for long rebounds which Michigan uh, excuse me which uh Illinois guards do a ton of rebounds i feel like illinois gang rebounds maybe coburn rebounds a big a big bit and georgie rebounds a big bit but the guards do a ton of the rebounds as well uh so those those threes are going to be long rebounds for guards and they're going to be pushing it pushing the ball down their throat so i got illinois uh, as a favorite
0: to uh win the uh the big 10 uh, so i like said illinois yeah um yeah, yeah. did you see did you see Luca Garza's uh, second half against Iowa State? No, I did not actually. That yeah, he went full Miles McBride. He had so he he played seventeen minutes against Iowa State, scored thirty-four points, was thirteen or fourteen from the floor, hit six straight threes. They were running Luca Garza off of pin downs and little in screens on uh, on out of bounds plays, and he was catching. He was one two twoing into threes and wet. He was like he wasn't rattling them home or anything. Yeah, I didn't see that. What's the net? Oh, it's I, I I
1: I read the stat line. And I, I just immediately assumed like, all right, cool. He just must have just punished them in the block, and there was nothing they could do at him. Six,
0: six threes. Six. Threes. I'm telling you, look, go go hit up hit up someone on uh on Hugstaff and be like, give, yeah, me, yeah, your yeah, to, give exactly. me your synergy, give me your login. I need to watch the second half I here. Forgot go wa- go watch Lucas' second half. It was unreal. All right. Uh we got two more questions and we're gonna get out here. The first exactly. one is. Uh it's from it's from Rob Doster is asking this question. How about those volunteers? Two and oh, baby. Two and oh. <laughs> this is your Not 35 bad, to right? one. This is your 35, 35 to 1. one. This is your 35 to
1: one. to 1 to win the national championship. I can't argue. They got Kim English on the uh staff. I'm gonna let I'm gonna defer to you about
0: Tennessee. They they can guard, man. They can lock you up. Keon Johnson. Is an unbelievable defender. Like he is Isaac Okoro levels, I think, Really? on the defensive end of the floor. Like you, you can't screen him. You can't go buy him off the dribble. He's athletic enough to block people at the rim. Um, he like he moves his feet. He's strong. He's long. You can guard. He can guard ones. You can guard threes. Like he's he's an absolute monster. Now, the thing about Okoro is he was a little bit bigger, so maybe that was like yeah, a bad comparison. But just like the fact that Keon is just you put them on anyone and that person's out of the game. Now the that offense presence. is going to come a little bit. And yeah. And like for Tennessee as a whole, like it, it's, it, it ain't pretty, like it, <laughs> it, it, it ain't pretty, but they look very much like a team that's had like five practices. Cause they've really only had like five practices. Yeah. I would so say, yeah. so uh, I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to see your face as I read the name of the person that I'm going to ask this question for. It's from uh coach, Chris Hopkins. Okay, hop. hop is a jerk. So uh, <laughs> he says, My guy, he, this is his question How excited was Deshaun when Coach Hugs told him and his teammates that West Virginia was going to wear Jordans? And then did it happen or not?
1: It didn't happen. He was the only one that had Jordan stuff. It was, it sucked. He would, he and he made sure he let us know, like the way we played. He's so going to be tell, the only person tell the, wearing Jordan. Tell,
0: tell the story. Tell the story. Tell the story. Tell they, the story.
1: Uh, here you go. So basically Coach Huggins just uh, signed and he's coming to West Virginia. We just lost our uh, our coach and we're sitting there and he shows up and he's wearing this full Jordan suit. So the players are all talking to each other. Like, oh, do you think we're going to be Jordan this year? Like we hadn't played a game Like <laughs> or, or just like, <laughs> you think we're going to wear Jordan? Like, yeah, yeah. Everybody's excited. So, you know, I asked him, I was like, Hey coach, you think, you know, we'll wear Jordan this year. He goes, "Yeah, we'll see how everything works out. If you you guys come out and play, you you'll wear, you'll be a, a Jordan team." And we're like, "All right, cool." So I think like we came out and we looked absolutely terrible. He walks in at halftime because you think you guys are wearing Jordan? <laughs> Fuck no! Like laid into us. He's like, "You you'll never wear Jordan." <laughs> oh man, Just, uh, <laughs> he's he's a motivator to say the least. Did you ever get Jordan's? You never got no? Dudes? We I mean I got my own pair, <laughs> not not, <laughs> through, not through the West Virginia University uh, program. You, you still, pay, yeah. We gotta pay your dues. We're still making strides as a program to get Jordan. Maybe Jordan will watch the show <laughs> and then donate some Jordans to the to the program.
0: Well, I'll tell you this much, man.
1: Uh, if you don't get
0: Jordan's, style. if you don't get Jordan's at the very least, you might be able to get home field apparel. So very much so. Uh, they Deshaun, it's a pleasure homefieldapparel.com, Field of 68 promo code, get 20% off or download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code FIELD68. There's no of in that promo code. It's FIELD68 and you'll be able to get a $1 bet that pays off $100 on any team in one of their featured games this week. We will see you guys again next week. hey Sean. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure.